Hey there, Crosswinds family and friends. Welcome to Crosswinds Unleashed. Each week, we're dedicated to bringing the best stories and biblical life principles from authentic believers. Our podcast looks to break down the Christian life through interviews and practical instruction, and we hope in a fun and accessible way. I'm Craig Cooper, the host of this podcast and lead pastor of Crosswinds Church. I like to give a special shout out week after week to Elijah Merrill, our producer. Uh, It is his expertise that allows these podcasts to not only be recorded, but to be put out week after week after week. So Elijah, thank you for all the work you do to make these podcasts a reality. If you want to learn more about this podcast or anything Crosswinds related, head on to our website at crosswinds.church. You can put questions there that we may answer in a future podcast. If you have any question whatsoever about the Christian faith, reach out to us. You can do it through our podcast, I mean through our website, and we'll be able to address those questions. We, in other words, we don't want this podcast just to be informative. We hope it's that. We don't want it just to be entertaining. We hope it's that. We hope it's life-changing and that we can be a part of that that journey that you're on with God. Whether you've already made a decision to follow him, whether you're checking out the things of Christ, whatever it is, wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we want to help meet you where you're at and help you take your next step with the Lord. And so you can do a lot of that by heading over to our website at crosswinds.church. Well, this week I have a friend and colleague uh, with me, our executive pastor here at Crosswinds, Betty Ryan. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be a part of this podcast. I appreciate the opportunity. We are going to look at a topic uh, over the next two episodes that comes out of a conversation I had uh, not too long ago, but again, it's a conversation I've had many times over in the past 30 plus years I've been in pastoral ministry. And, And it goes something like this within the conversation. You know, people will comment about the different types of Christian churches. And you may hear a statement like this, I don't see how there can be such differences among those who worship the same God. And I really do get the confusion. Uh, Yet God shows, I believe, his creative brilliance in variety. I mean, all you have to do is look at the world and see that. In fact, um, you know, I'm a a collector of useless information. And so here's, here's one. Uh, this sort of blew my mind. There, there's over 16,000 known species of bees. Oh, my. Did you know that, Patty? I had no idea, but thank and that, you for and, that information. And that knowledge isn't even going to change your life. I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. But over 16,000 known species of bees. And the question is, why? Why? Well, because God in his creative brilliance chose it to be so. And, and those bees do. The different variations all have their own little uh, niche, if you will. You know, what one one type may not be able to live in this part of the world and so forth and, and, and all the things they do for the ecosystem. It's just amazing to me, but it shows me God's creative brilliance. And, and so why would we think that that would be any different when it comes to church structure, mm. worship style, um, ministry offerings? You know, it's amazing to me, you know, uh, people will come from other churches to crosswinds and they'll say, well, at that church, they did this. And sometimes it's great. We go, man, we should do that too. And sometimes we go, well, that's great. Go back there. That, that That's where they do that. We have a thing here. You know, uh, we have Celebrate Recovery here, an amazing ministry where people, no matter where they are on their spiritual journey, can learn how to deal with their hurts, habits, and hangups. But I've had other people come and say, hey, I was a part of a ministry like that, as if we're going to stop CR and start what they're doing. It's like, no, we're not probably going to do that because God's blessing CR. Not that we don't evaluate all of our ministries, but we don't have to be what every other church is. And every other church, we don't expect to be what we are. Um, But there is essentials and non-essentials. And, 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 you know, I think that's important we acknowledge, too, that 
I don't really think God cares the style of worship, the volume of worship, the the whether we what instruments you use in worship, organ, full band. I don't think that's where God wants the focus to be. I think we, He wants us to understand that worship is to be toward Him. And so styles isn't really where it's at, and our preference isn't where it's at. Um, it, it's that two churches can worship the same God differently, but if they're doing it biblically, and that means you know they're acknowledging who He is, who He truly is, genuinely is, as as taught in Scripture, then they're both worshiping right, but they can worship different. And you can have sixteen thousand like the bees, right? Over sixteen thousand different expressions of worship. And I'm talking about music right now, but we can talk, we can throw in lifestyle, and you know, well, you know, some people will say, well, God's put this burden on my heart, so every believer has to have this burden exactly like me. And it's like, no, we're all wired so different so that we can be the kingdom and play different roles. And again, it's God's creative brilliance. But with that said, what unites us in Christ is a right understanding of who He is in His Word. Uh, the New Testament calls that sound doctrine. Um, Paul writes the importance of sound doctrine, for instance, in 1 Timothy to his young protege there, uh, Timothy. Uh, and also in the book of Titus, Paul's writing to Titus and says, look, not just you as a leader, but the leaders you raise up, that God's going to use you to raise up within the church, you need to have sound doctrine. Uh, another word that we may use in, in, in the church is orthodoxy. And this idea of orthodoxy properly reflects, uh, in a sense, the, the summary form of the scriptures. You know, what is the orthodox belief or the sound doctrine belief of, of the church? And and we see this historically in what we call the creeds or confession and statements of faith. As we look at church history over the past couple thousand years, um, from time to time, uh, various groups would come together, Christian believers, and they would come up with these creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and, and then these statements of faith, which is all according to what you're background is of what you call them denomination, but they're basically the same thing. They say, here's the essentials. Here's sound doctrine. And and so I want to, real quick, before we have the dialogue, I do want to differentiate a little bit. When I say essentials, I'm talking about major doctrines. That's another term that you may come across when you're reading Christian literature uh, about the doctrines of the church. What do I mean by major doctrines? I mean, things such as Jesus is the only way to God. You know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And any orthodox, any church that has a sound doctrine will say the only way you can come into a right relationship with God is through the saving work of Christ and placing your faith in him. That, that's non-negotiable as far as a major doctrine. Uh, um, a minor doctrine, if you will, uh, would be a church's way of doing baptism. Now, we choose here to do it the way that it was demonstrated for us in Scripture. We dunk people. We put them under the water. We don't hold them there long, but we bring them back up. The whole imagery we see in Scripture, we fully embrace that. But you know, there's times we've done it differently. Mm -hmm. There's times where people, because of maybe physical impairments, whatever, have said, you know, maybe anxiety. You know, they've said, look, um, getting in there is is a huge hurdle, and, and we've done it differently. Some churches sprinkle, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they can use the whole imagery of, and it's in Scripture, where God's people walk through the, the Red Sea and it's sprinkling the water, and it's, it's used in the New Testament as an image of baptism. And, and so they sprinkle. And, and so I, when it comes down to it, 
Who cares? I think, you know, the reality of it is baptism is a, is a sign of obedience. Mm-hmm. You're not saved through baptism, but those who are saved want to be obedient, so it's a step in the, in the spiritual journey. How you do it is, I don't think it's as important. Historically, this may blow some people's minds, but for instance, you know, in like the first century church, there were parts of the church that were in desert regions, and water was so precious, they didn't baptize with water. They baptized with sand. Now, that's an interesting thing. I'm glad I'm not in that time and in that area because that would be a really dirty way to be baptized. Of course, there's sometimes I've done baptism in lakes that were probably dirtier than the sand, but that's for another story. But what's, what's what am I really getting at? It's the point that there are some things that we can, as believers, disagree on, but don't change anything salvifically. Mm-hmm. It doesn't change what we know about God through Scripture. It doesn't change that Jesus is the only way, the essence of the gospel. Jesus died for our sins, resurrected for our salvation. We place our faith in him. We're in a right relationship with him. But then there's other things that are whether it be a matter of conscience, mm. um, what, what you may call a, a particular churches or denominations, which is a group of churches who's sort of an agreement together. You have what are known as community standards. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you take what Paul says, I don't want to trip up another believer. So what is our community standards? What are we going to live like? What are we going to sacrifice sometimes? Like maybe I have a freedom in Christ. I'm like, well, that's not sin for me. That's a matter of conscience. But I know it could cause someone else to stumble. Mm -hmm. I think about uh, um, what we've decided with alcohol in our church. Because of Celebrate Recovery um, and because of just individuals who come into our church and because of our culture, it has such an alcohol abuse issue. So many people either coming from homes where alcohol devastated their home mm-hmm. or where alcohol devastated their very own life. We've decided as a church during church functions, yes, we're not going to have alcohol. Mm-hmm. So when we come and we talk about communion, and if you're out there and you don't know what communion is, it's, it's something that, it's a sacrament. Christ said, do this. And we remember what Christ did on the cross for us, right? The, the, the bread is, is, is representative of his body. You know, they bodily died for us. And, of course, the, we say wine uh, is, is representation of his blood that was shed for us. It, it's sort of an interesting, if you're not a Christian, never heard of it, a weird thing. As a matter of fact, the first century church, they, some people were criticized them of being cannibals for this. So I understand the misinformation and misunderstanding. Um, but the reality of it is we do that, and we'll say wine many times. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not wine. It's literally grape juice because mm-hmm. here we've made a decision. We wouldn't want somebody who's trying to stay away from alcohol to, to even have a little bit that may cause them to stumble. That's a community standard. The Word of God doesn't say, thou shalt not have communion that's literally wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't say that. But we are a part of a denomination that has said, just community standards-wise, and we as a local church have, have said, no, we're in agreement with that. When we have church functions, we're going to honor where people are coming from. That's not an essential of the faith. It's a non-essential. But a non-essential is a big deal for us because of the people we reach and the backgrounds they come from and the culture in which we live. Very cultural, and I can't imagine if we were to take all of our cultural norms and some of those things and try to apply them to another country, or even try to take what is done in the inner city and apply that to someplace that is rural. You just There's some changes in styles and in different things that we do as the church that must look different because of the people that you're trying to reach. It's not the truth that changes. It's the style of how that truth is presented in a way that we can understand. That's why Jesus spoke so often, as did the disciples, in ways that the people would understand. 
And I wonder, you know, you, I talk about the creative brilliance of God. Mm-hmm. Could it not be in God's sovereignty, which means he's in control of everything, right? Mm-hmm. And he knows all things. Um, that in his creative brilliance, that the reason there are some things in Scripture that are crystal clear mm. and some things that in Scripture that are not crystal clear. In other words, you have the major doctrines, again, crystal clear. These are essential. Yes. All churches are to believe these things. Then what I would say is a minor doctrine. Actually, I don't say that. Theologians state it as such. Mm-hmm. Non-essentials. Not every believer is going to believe that. Mm-hmm. Is because of that creative brilliance of just what you're saying, Betty, that because of different regions and different peoples, here's what you all have to agree on. Here is some, I don't want to use the word flexibility, but maybe I do, Mm. a a level of flexibility that allows for there to be a cultural presence of the gospel. Mm. I'll have people who say, you know, well, worship services many times in the States are like an hour or an hour and 10 minutes, but I've been somewhere where they had a three-hour service. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of things different in that culture that we actually would think is rude. Yes. And they would think it's rude if they were here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I've been on mission trips in cultures where time is looked differently than ours. And so, you know, I'll say to the, the person on site, I think of Honduras in particular, um, where, where are we going next? And they say, well, we're going to head over to, to such and such. Well, it took us forever to get there because we're stopping here. He's introducing me. And we were supposed to be there, we'll say at 2. I don't remember. And we got there at 4. And no one cared. They mm-hmm. were like, this is cool. That would be so rude here. Well, they have a better understanding of time than we do. No, no, no. They have a different understanding of time than we do. And the reality of it is if they lived like that here, they would get fired from their job. Sure. Well, what do you mean you showed up at four? You were supposed to start your shift at two. Well, I sort of was all my way and ran into a friend. And you can't it, – it's different. Is one better than the other? Both have their benefits. And within the culture, both are somewhat acceptable. But if you put the one culture in the other, not so much. And that's not just true geographically. It's true, I believe, church to church. There's some things that you would do in a particular gathering of believers you wouldn't do in another gathering of believers. I think about just the different ministries that we have on site here at Crosswinds. The things that we do in children's ministry don't change the truth from the way that we present it in worship services on a Sunday morning in what we call as big church or even our teen ministry, and even our young adult ministry will focus on some things and some major questions that they've got in their areas uh, that w- don't change the truth, but the way that uh, it's addressed or taught could change a little bit, and that's okay. I, um, I, I have a personal thought about mixed, uh, I'm going to say this, Carefully, I want to clarify it because it's a Christianese type term, but it's like a mixed worship where, like, you you know, you have people in the church. I like traditional, I like contemporary, or whatever you want to call these things. In other words, I like the full band. I want organ music, and and it's interesting. They've done studies of churches who said we're just going to do both in in a service, and what they have found almost almost a hundred percent of the time, like it's in the high ninety percent is you have everyone equally upset with the worship service. Mm. Like, no one is okay with it. Like, you know, you have some people with this style, some, and it shouldn't be about styles. I get that. But there's a style I enjoy. I'm a part of a church that worships that way. I hear have people say, you have all these different churches all over on the, all these different blocks, and uh, why don't we just have one worship service? 
because we would all be equally upset. Mm. And not, not in a bad way. It just wouldn't feed us, right? Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't speak to us in the same way. And I, I like hymns. Uh, but by the way, hymns isn't just something that was written a hundred or a thousand years ago. A, a hymn is written today. You can write a hymn today, and 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 so I enjoy spiritual songs or however we want to word it. But but the way I worship may look different than someone else's. And what I'm saying is that's perfectly okay. Yes. But there are churches out there who don't believe that Jesus needed to die for their sins. That the gospel is not about being made right with God. There are churches out there who don't believe there is a God. Who say it's sort of this philosophical, it's about being a better person. And they and I are not on the same page. Mm -hmm. Like I can't fellowship with them in the same way I can from someone who worships differently than me. I can't fellowship with them as a believer because I don't see them as a believer. Because the scripture says that, you know, you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. In order yes. to be saved, there's people out there who say, "No, we're in church, but we don't believe that." No, no, because that's essential. That's major. Doesn't mean I'm mean to them. Doesn't mean I'm rude to them. It just means that we're not going to be able to fellowship in the same way I can with a brother and sister who agree on that, but may worship differently or may have a different type of ministry or a different look of their building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, one professor explained it to me as uh, the bullseye. You know, knowing that in the center, those are the essentials, the things that we've already been talking about. Uh, Jesus is Lord and um, th- is the only way. And there are other essentials as well. But as you go further out of that bullseye, there are some of those things that are um, specific to our denomination or specific to another denomination, but don't change the truth of what that bullseye says. That may be cultural. Uh, that may be um, influenced by... Uh, historically, the way things have come through. And, and they change too, right? It does, and, and they can change and they can morph a bit. But the center of that bulls, I can't. You know, I think about end times teaching, mm. you know, uh, and, and there's some churches that that's all they do. Mm. They have charts galore. It's going to happen this way. You know, it's good. Man, they line, they line it all up. And if you don't believe that way, then then you're wrong, you know, uh, uh, and and it's interesting, Billy Graham one time was asked, why don't you preach much about the end time? And he said, well, I spend a lot of time in the Gospels, meaning the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He said, I spend a lot of time in there because I understand them. He said, but, but when we talk about end times, there's some things I do understand, which, by the way, would be the, the, the major doctrine of the end times. I know Jesus mm-hmm. is going to return. I know he's triumphant. I know that the church will be triumphant with him. You know, he gave this whole list of major things. He says, but there's a lot of the minor things I don't understand, and I don't believe that the prophecy of end times is there for us to totally understand. It's there for us to have confidence that God is in control. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I think, you know, there, there's 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 some some realities between major doctrines and minor doctrines, you know, of just... And people may be making the minor major and how difficult that can be within the family of God. Yes. You know, for instance, my brother and I, not my brother in Christ, my biological brother, we're, we're in different theological camps. Now, what's mm-hmm. that mean? Um, I believe we have choice. He doesn't believe we have choice per se. No reason to really go into that. We call that Western Arminianism or, or Calvinism. But by the way, named after people, not mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. right? And, and we have amazing conversations when we get together about the Lord. In fact, in fact, we we poke fun a little bit because we have that type of relationship. We we share our concerns coming out of where our perspective is, 
But we agree on like 90 some percent in our conversations. We're, we're, you know, and, and, and I had a friend one time say to me, does it bother you? He thinks differently than you. And I said, what? well, he's thought different me my entire life. By the <laughs> way, he's much smarter than I am. He is brilliant. And I have always, always respected his intellect. Mm-hmm. And so someone may say, well, then why don't you believe as he does? Because he's wrong on a few things. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, if you're hearing this, I do think that. But no, I, I love him to death. And we respect each other. And we sure. love each other. And when he comes here, he loves coming to church here. When mm-hmm. I go down to Florida where he lives, I go to his church. I love going to his church. You know, his pastor is a great preacher. Do we, do we see eye to eye on everything? No. I, you know, I said to someone the other day, I don't agree with myself all the time. There's, mm. I'm growing into non-essentials myself. There are things that when I first came to Christ, I would have thought, this is what I believed. Now I believe differently than non-essentials. Nothing has changed in the majors, the yes. essential things of the faith. That, that has not rocked one bit. Mm-hmm. But there are other things over time I go, wow, I just didn't see that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I just think it's so important that we major on the majors and minor on the minors. And that's where the unity comes in. Yes. Embracing God's creative brilliance and, and celebrating the fact. I have people who over the years, no matter what church I've served in, who have come that I have had to say lovingly, I wonder if you wouldn't fit better somewhere else. Not because I'm trying to get rid of them, but because they have they their insight into what we should be doing is so different than what God's called us to do. And I think that's key, Craig. Not I don't mean to interrupt you, but no, God has not. called this church, Crosswinds, into this community for a purpose and a reason. And we've been here for a long time. And so you're right. These other things that that uh, God may call another church to do are just as important, but it may not be uh, Crosswinds who does that particular thing within a community because we need everybody. It's, you know, and, and he says it in scripture. Some will be called to to be preachers and teachers, and, and there are different personalities and different purposes, and, and we need to be able to embrace those as long as the truth is the truth. Yeah, and I think that's the key, right? I, I think it's always amazed me. I didn't come to Crosswinds over eight years ago now mm. and say, I'm going to change the way they do worship. I'm going to take some of the, you know, this church has had a historical um, just a strong historical commitment to the upcoming generation. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think I was going to come in and say, you know, I'm going to change that. You know, they were things that attracted me. And I thought, I want to I be grafted into that church. I want to be a part of the continuation of those things that, that makes Crosswinds distinct. Yes. Um, it would have been foolish and wrong of me to have come and say, those things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change because my way is better or my preference is what rules here. In fact, there are some things we do that isn't my preference. And mm-hmm. I'm sort of the same for you. Mm-hmm. But it's not about me. It's about mm-hmm. God and reaching people and how people grow in Christ. And, and you know, I, I'm not always right. And, and sometimes someone gives another answer. And I have a bias to want the team to be able to have their answer fulfilled as long as, again, it's under... It's scriptural, right? Yes. And it's amazing how many times I thought, I thought I was right, but you know what? They were better than me on this, and, and they know this. And, and that's sort of a culture in our church, too. Mm-hmm. And, and so I wouldn't want to impose what we are on someone else, but nor do I really comfortable when people come here and try to do that, Yes. to be honest with you. You know, I'm like, there's a lot of places you might fit in better. Usually people like that don't fit in anywhere because mm. they want the church of themselves. And the gospel says, no, that whole bear with one another that helps us grow as believers means sometimes we have to be around people who are prickly and sometimes we're prickly and, 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 you know, but we need to know what the majors are. 
in order to really be united as God's church, not yes. our particular tribe and clan, but I mean his kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. And so in our next episode, I want to deal with that. I want to go back to the original church conference. There's been many church conferences over the years, councils, if you will. Uh, I want to go back to the one in the book of Acts, which is our historical book of the New Testament church, that first century church. I'll look at the very first council and say, what did they see as major doctrines? What did they see as non-essential as they were dealing with the church, which is only about 20 years old at the time? And so that's where we'll pick up next week. But for now, I just want to say to you, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you find it helpful. I'm sure, especially this conversation is sparking some some thoughts in you. If there's anything we can do to help you work through those things, or you want to learn more about the podcast or us as a church, um, yeah, head on over to our website, crosswinds.church. You can find out all things about this podcast and, and Crosswinds Church there, crosswinds.church. But for now, as always, please be blessed and bless others. 